who was called barren. For nothing is impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. So she hears that her relative Elizabeth, who was barren, who has gotten to an older age in life, is now pregnant. Six months pregnant to be exact. But also, secondly, she heard that she is going to be the mother of the Son of God. And now she believes the angel, but, I mean, that is quite something. I mean, it's, even though she believed, I think, it, I mean, it's, it's still hard to grasp. She was going to bear the Son of God. She was going to bear a holy offspring that would be conceived in her by God. And all of this while still being a virgin. She had been chosen by God to be the mother of the Messiah, the one that she had heard about growing up as a Jew. She wanted to tell somebody, I'm sure. She wanted to tell somebody what had happened. If something like this happens to you, I mean, the first thing you want to do is go find somebody to tell. But think about it. Who could she tell? She wanted to go see Elizabeth because she wanted to be sure of what actually happened. She wanted to be sure that God can do, is doing, and has done conception miracles. And Elizabeth would be proof of that. If the angel was right, Elizabeth would be six months pregnant. There was really only one person who would verify for her what she just heard. And that person was Elizabeth. And again, we see in verse 36 that Elizabeth was six months pregnant. The angel told her that. And now if you follow this down in verse 56 of chapter 1, it says Mary remained with Elizabeth for three months and then returned home. So she went there when she was six months pregnant and then left when she's nine months pregnant. And this is important because it tells us how quickly Mary must have gone to see Elizabeth after this happened. But again, there's, you don't see a report here in the text of when Mary herself conceived. So this must have either happened immediately or shortly thereafter the angel came. And we'll see why when she meets Elizabeth. But again, why did Mary go so quickly? Well, some have suggested that maybe Mary was going to hide her pregnancy. Maybe she, I mean, as an unmarried woman, being pregnant was a dangerous thing in her culture. That she could have been killed for that. That was a, in, in God's law, being pregnant outside of marriage, she could have been stoned for that. But that doesn't really make sense because of the fact that she went so quickly. That if she was pregnant, it wouldn't have been noticeable yet. And that, again, is why it's important to see the timeline of Elizabeth's pregnancy and why Mary went so quickly. So it probably wasn't to hide her pregnancy because there was nothing to hide yet. Other people have said maybe she went to avoid the wrath of Joseph. That maybe Joseph would have been upset and she wanted to hide from that. But I don't think that's it either because... We don't know that Joseph knows yet. Joseph finds out later in the text when the angel comes to tell him what happened. But here, we don't know that Joseph knows anything yet. So she didn't go to hide her pregnancy because it really wouldn't have been noticeable yet. And she didn't go to run from Joseph, who probably didn't even know at this point. So why did Mary go so quickly? And I think Mary went to see Elizabeth so quickly because she wanted confirmation of what just happened 
with the angel. She wanted to know for sure what the angel said was true. Not that she didn't believe, because we know from the text that she did believe. She believed God. But I think she wanted confirmation that, that this actually did happen, that God is doing conception miracles, and Elizabeth would be proof of that. But I also think there's another reason that Elizabeth would probably be the only one that would believe her. Because she also has a miraculous conception. I think Elizabeth would be the only person she could go to. The angel told Mary Elizabeth was pregnant for a reason. And I think it was to give her someone to go talk to about. I mean, think about it. Say you have a 13-year-old daughter and she comes to you and says, I'm pregnant. What? And then she says, well, an angel came to me and told me that I've been impregnated by God and I'm going to be the mother of the Savior of the world. Really? Is that what happened? I mean, it's not believable. It doesn't make sense. Who would believe that type of a story? And even Joseph, who knew Mary probably better than anybody, even he made the natural assumption that, well, something must have happened here, so Joseph was going to divorce her quietly because, I mean, she's pregnant. There's only one way that happens. And Joseph knows it wasn't with him. This is not a believable story. But there was one person who would believe. And I think that, that was Elizabeth. Only one place she could go to talk to somebody about what happened. And again, I think this is why Gabriel told Mary that Elizabeth is pregnant. This was going to be a confirmation that what he told her will come true. So here, Mary and Elizabeth come together in this story to provide Mary some confirmation. And again, it must have been a pretty amazing moment when they come together to share their miraculous stories together. And what Gabriel said to Zechariah came true, so what Gabriel said to Mary was going to come true as well. But not only did she receive personal confirmation in the same type of story with Elizabeth, if you look in the text, there was also physical confirmation. Something happened physically to confirm what the angel Gabriel said. Something happened that would show Mary exactly what was going to happen to her. If you look in verse 41, it says, When Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. So remember, who is the baby in Elizabeth's womb? It's John the Baptist. He's a prophet. If you think about it, this is probably John's first prophecy. A silent one. He's pointing people to Christ. He's saying that's the Messiah. John the Baptist was pointing Elizabeth to see this is your Messiah. This is the one that is coming. Before he's even born, John is prophesying. He's pointing people to Christ. So Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit. And what does Elizabeth say? Starting verse 42, she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is it granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what had been spoken to her by the Lord. So what did Elizabeth say? It's really an announcement of blessing. 
she is proclaiming the different blessings that are happening here. This is really a hymn of praise. Mary is, or Elizabeth is exclaiming praise. There's really five hymns of praise in the Christmas story here in Luke. This is the first one. We'll see in starting in verse 46, Mary has the second one. And then probably next week, we'll see Zachariah's hymn of praise that he exclaims once his son is born and he can speak again. Then over in chapter 2, the angels give a similar hymn of praise. And then lastly, Simeon, when he meets the baby, Jesus, he gives another hymn of praise. So you think about all these different ways that Luke is telling this story. How does it make you think we need to be celebrating this time of year? I think he's communicating that this is a joyful time. This is bringing joy to everybody involved. The Messiah is coming. And it's something to celebrate. So, what is the blessing that Elizabeth announces here? Well, she starts by pronouncing blessings on Mary. And then on Mary's child. And then even she pronounces blessing on herself for being involved. And then lastly, she announces blessing to everyone who believes the Word of God. It's just blessing in every direction. That's what the coming of Christ is doing. So first of all, she says, Blessed are you among women. In verse 42. Blessed are you among women. And this is just a simple Hebrew saying that has been used before in the Old Testament, but it basically means you are the most blessed woman of all. And the reason is because of the child she was bearing. She's saying you are the most blessed because you have the greatest child. And also in verse 42, she says, Blessed is the fruit of your womb. Blessed is the child you are carrying. You are blessed, but your child is even more blessed. The Messiah, the Savior of the world, is the most blessed child ever. Verse 43, Elizabeth is almost proclaiming blessing on herself. She is in awe of what is happening. And why is it granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? How has it happened that the mother of my Lord is standing in my house? Mary's blessed, the child's blessed, and Elizabeth is blessed. So you see the amazement in, in Elizabeth's words. And you also see humility. You think about it. Elizabeth has experienced a miraculous conception herself. She has a miracle going on in her life. But what does she focus on? That blessed is the mother of my Lord. Blessed is this child that you are bearing. She's unworthy to experience this and she knows it. As we've already seen in verse 44, she explains what happened with her own baby when Mary came into her house and heard, she heard Mary's greeting. She says, When the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Elizabeth was, ex- was explaining what happened. That the baby she was carrying heard the m- voice of Mary and leapt for joy pointing to the fact that she is carrying Christ. She is carrying the Messiah. And then lastly, in verse 45, it says, Blessed is she who believed that there would be fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. 
It says, blessed is she. And of course, it's speaking of Mary here. Blessed is Mary because she believed, but it doesn't, it doesn't say blessed are you, Mary. It says blessed is she. It puts it in the third person. Meaning, blessed is the one who believes what the Lord says. Blessed is anybody who believes that God will fulfill His promises. Blessed is anyone who believes in the Word of God. Now, we do have to be careful of this text here because the idea of Mary being blessed can get taken too far. And that sometimes this can be taken to mean Mary is blessed in and of herself. That she is somebody who is blessed, meaning worthy of worship, or somebody who is worthy to be prayed to in some cases. But I think we need to be very careful to not take the idea of Mary being blessed too far. Mary was blessed for a specific reason, and it was because of how she responded. John MacArthur puts it well, and he says, Mary is the mother of her Lord. Mary is never in Scripture called the mother of God. And that's important. Never. Nobody is God's mother. God always existed. God never produced, was produced, never conceived, never born, and never generated. The eternal God has always existed. God has no mother. When people say Mary the mother of God, they are not talking about the Mary of Scripture. She was the mother of Jesus, the man. She is not the mother of God. Deity is true of Jesus, but it is confined to Jesus. Mary was the mother of the man Jesus. She is not the mother of God. That is a terrible error. Resident in Mary was a human, physical child who was in his inner person God who always existed, the eternal God, the Son who had lived from all eternity. So again, Elizabeth is not worshiping Mary here. Elizabeth is worshiping God because of what he's doing with Mary. Because of the way he's using Mary. Mary does not become deity because she carried Christ. Mary is not someone to worship or to pray to. Mary is another human being that God used in His plan. And that's it. Mary is an example for us. She is not the mother of God. She's not the queen of heaven, as she has been called before. She's not to be prayed to or worshipped. She is simply being used by God here. She's a model believer. I think she is showing us an example that we can follow. Again, contrast her with Zechariah. Zechariah heard the message from the angel and he didn't believe. And he was not blessed. He had his speech taken from him. And again, I think Elizabeth knows this and that she might have even been looking at Zechariah when she said this. Blessed is she. She believed. Look what happened here, Zechariah. Look at what could happen to you. You didn't believe. Blessed is she who believed the Word of God. If you want to be blessed, you believe what God says. Mary's a great example for all believers. She shows us how we need to respond to God's Word, to God's promises. When God speaks, you listen. You believe and you obey. And then as we see in verse 46, then you worship. That's the response of believing God's Word. Mary heard. She heard. She believed. She obeyed. And then she worships. 
Let's look at the next passage here, starting in verse 46. It says, And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in my God, my Savior. For He has looked on the humble estate of His servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For He who is mighty has done great things for me. And behold, and holy is His name. And His mercy is for those who fear Him from generation to generation. As He has shown strength with His arm, He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich He has sent away. He has helped His servant Israel in the remembrance of His mercy as He spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to His offspring forever. And then Mary remained with her for three months and returned home. This here is called the Magnificat, or Mary's Magnificat, which that's just the Latin word that is used first in the construction here, so that's why they call it the Magnificat. It's Mary's hymn of praise. It's Mary's response to God's blessing. Elizabeth announces Mary's blessing and Mary responds. This is sort of a break in the narrative. Up until now, you see being told like a story. One thing happens after another. But here's a break to stop and praise God. Elizabeth's hymn of phrase has sparked Mary's hymn of phrase. And they're both worshiping God for what has happened here. We see in verses 48 through 50, He has looked on the humble estate of His servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call Me blessed. For He who is mighty has done great things for Me, and holy is His name. His mercy is for those who fear Him from generation to generation. Mary is revealing the motive for her praise. That God has visited her in her lowly estate. What this means is that Mary was not an important person. Mary was not a queen or a princess or anybody that would be well known. But, as she said, all generations will call me blessed because of what God has done. Now everybody knows Mary's name because God chose to use her. It wasn't because of anything she did. It wasn't because she was an important person that came from an important family. All generations will call Mary blessed because of God's choosing to use her. And because she obeyed and believed God. In verse 50 it says, His mercy is for those who fear Him from generation to generation. The reason why God is blessing Mary is because she fears God. His mercy is for those who fear Him. And she says this from generation to generation. This has always been the case. When you fear God and you believe His Word, you receive blessing. This has been the pattern throughout Israel's history. All the way back to the Exodus. When they believe God and they fear God, He blesses them. When they respond in obedience, He blesses them. Mary's not calling for people to worship her here. She's not saying all generations will call me blessed because I am anything special. In fact, I think it's the opposite. She's pointing out I am nothing special. There's nothing magnificent about Mary herself. It's quite the opposite. She is of lowly estate. There's nothing special about Mary. But God chose to use her 
she is pointing people to worship God. Mary is beginning this hymn by pointing out that what God has done for her personally. But then she moves quickly to keep the focus on God. It isn't about Mary. She starts with the personal blessing that she's received, but then she moves for the rest of the verses here to all that God has done throughout history. Verse 51, it says, He has shown strength with His arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He's, she's recalling the history of the things God has done for His people. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich He has sent away empty. God takes down the proud, the ones people admire, the ones who trust in themselves, the ones who get to their high places of their own doing, and they don't trust God. God takes those down and exalts the humble, the ones who fear Him. God did not choose to use Mary because of anything she'd done. She was of humble estate. She was not important. Those who think they're important without God will be humbled. We see this all throughout Scripture. Throughout all the stories of the Old Testament, we've seen this over and over again. In Proverbs, God exalts the... Uh, God tears down the proud and exalts the humble. Those who think they can do it on their own will find out the truth soon enough. Then in verse 54, she points out Israel's history. He has helped His servant Israel in the remembrance of His mercy as He spoke to our fathers and to Abraham and to His offspring forever. She's pointing out this is what God has promised. And He's returned to help out His servant Israel and remember His mercy. This is what God promised in the Old Testament. This is what the prophets spoke about. The Messiah was coming. And it's, it's happening now. Mary is connecting this story with what has been promised in the Old Testament. Mary reminds us of the promises God has kept. God is faithful. God is merciful. This has been happening over and over and over in Israel's history. Mary believed God and she was blessed for doing so. And then in the last verse there, 56, Mary returns home because Elizabeth is going to give birth to her son. So Mary returns home to Joseph and her family. Her praise song, her Magnificat here, is not about Mary. It's about God and what He has done. Mary knew it wasn't about her. It was about God using her. God working through her. She's pointing people to worship God. Look at the passage and all the references to God. Look at how many times she mentions God in this passage. That's 17 times in the nine verses there that she is pointing us to God and what He has done. Mary knows what this is all about. That what is happening to her is because of God and for God. God is using her to accomplish His purposes. So, what can we see from this story of Mary and Elizabeth coming together and worshiping God for what He's done? Well, first of all, we can see God is faithful. It's been 400 years since anyone heard a word from God. It's been 400 years since there was a miracle. And it has been generations 
since there has been a first-hand encounter with God or with a miracle happening. So you can imagine how hard it would be to believe something like this happening. I mean, they've, they've heard stories. They've heard the traditions and the, and the things that they've been told. But this isn't part of regular everyday life. This isn't something that happens normally. This would be hard to believe. But Mary still believed. Mary didn't have to be convinced. Mary knew who God was and what He had done with His people. And she believed. Even though it had been so long. Mary relied upon the faithfulness that God had shown to Israel in the past. God has returned in a big way here. It had been 400 years, but God has returned to work through His people again. Mary is blessed because she believed in who God is and that He would be faithful to do what He said He would do. Mary's connecting this child she's carrying to the promises He made. That God is faithful. God didn't forget His promises. God is doing what He said He would do. Just as God was faithful to bless His people in the past, He's going to be faithful to bless Mary. She believes Him. So, in our own lives, in your life this season, maybe you're going through something hard. Maybe you're going through something difficult. Maybe it's hard to feel where God's working in your life right now. But in what ways do you need to trust that God will be faithful? In what ways do you need to remember everything God has done for His people? And that God is faithful to keep His promises. And to bless those who believe in Him. And believe His Word. What ways do you need to remember God's faithfulness in your own life? Another thing we see is that Mary was blessed because of her belief. Mary took God at His Word. The angel told Gabriel what God had said, and she believed it. She didn't need to be convinced. She didn't need proof like Zechariah asked for. She believed it. Mary believed God is who He says He is. Mary believed God would do what He said He would do. And part of that is that Mary knew what God had done in the past. Mary knew the history of Israel. Meaning, Mary knew her Scripture. Mary knew God's communication with His people. So if we want to know God's faithfulness, we need to know His Word. If we want to be able to trust God fully, we need to know what God has done for His people. We need to know what God says in His Word. Mary is our example. We can follow the example Mary gives of believing God and trusting in His Word. Again, Mary's not the mother of God. She's not the queen of heaven. She's not somebody to be worshipped. She is not blessed because of anything other than she believed God. Mary was simply the vessel God used to accomplish His purposes. Mary was a tool in God's purposes. She was blessed because she believed. She heard God's Word. She believed it. And she obeyed. And because of that, she was blessed and she worshipped. Mary is our example to follow. That's why we sing a song after the sermon. When we hear God's Word, we should respond in worship. 
And that's why we close our services with a song. So that we have the opportunity to respond to God's Word in worship. But again, lastly, the point of this Christmas story is that for them, Jesus is coming. That's what they're so excited about. Mary and Elizabeth, you can see it in their voices and in their words, they were overjoyed at what was happening. And it wasn't just because they were both pregnant. I mean, that's uh, time to celebrate in and of itself, but that's not why they were so happy. And I'm sure Elizabeth had waited her whole life for this to happen, but that's not why she was so happy. They were both overjoyed because the Messiah was coming. The one who was promised is coming. Jesus was coming to dwell on earth. And He was there in Mary's womb. Jesus was coming to live a sinless life. To live the life that we can't live. To live a life that would please God. He was coming to do what we couldn't do. And then He was coming to die for sin. He was coming to pay the penalty that we can't pay. We can't live a perfect life. That's God's standard. And because of that, we have no, communi- we have no access to God. We have no ability to communicate with God, to please God, to live with God. Only Jesus could do that. Jesus did live a sinless life. And then because we can't do what He did, our penalty is death. The penalty for us not living a perfect life is death. But Jesus came to pay that too. Not only did He live the perfect life, He died the death that we deserve. Jesus was coming so that those who place their faith in Him would be saved. That's the purpose of the Christmas story. Jesus didn't just come as a baby and live out the nativity scenes that we see this time of year. Jesus came to die. He came to pay the penalty for your sin. Jesus came so that you could be saved. He gives you the opportunity to know God. To have access to God. To live eternally with God. He came to give you that opportunity. So, this is a good time of year to remember the Gospel. That's the purpose of the Christmas story. was so that the Gospel could be fulfilled. So do you believe in what God said? Have you placed your faith in Christ? Do you believe God is who He says He is? And that He did what He said He did? And that He will do what He said He will do? That's what this season is about. That Jesus has come to do all of these things. And He's given us the opportunity to place our faith in Him and to live eternally with God. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank You for this Scripture. I thank You for Your Word and Your faithfulness. Um, I pray that we would respond to Your Word in belief and that we would respond in obedience, and that we would worship You. I pray now that as we sing this song, that You would uh, receive our worship and that we would have worshipful hearts. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.
stand together as we sing Hark the Herald.